Is your grain facility in need of upgrading? Are you going to start from scratch and build a new grain handling facility? That's what we're talking about today with Johnny Varel, planning for the future with your grain facility. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We've got Johnny Varel on here, Extreme Ag guy, Jackson, Tennessee farmer. I was at his farm in June, the end of June, and we did some recording around his grain facility. Big, huge, wonderful, modern dryer. Talked about some of the reasons they selected the drying system they have. Talked about a lot of other things. And then one thing that I said, you know what we should really record about? You spent millions of dollars here because let's face it, in these times, the average farming operation that's of scale has a bigger grain facility than a local grain elevator did just 20, 30 years ago. It's a big expenditure. It's a long-term capital expenditure. It's going to be around for arguably the next 30 or plus years. Are you really thinking through this? Many people that you talk to have a little bit of regret. You know what? I should have done this when we did this huge expansion of the grain facility. So I thought, Johnny, why don't you talk about all the things that came into your mind and your planning, what you got right, what you'd maybe tweak uh, moving forward on this huge facility that you put in place? Because you know what? A lot of people are going through this right now in terms of expanding their grain facility. Yeah, so like for us, 2006, we were predominantly cotton, and we transitioned into grain going in 2007, and we we're like, we'll sell a cotton picker, we'll get a grain system put into place, and there was really not a lot of grain bins around us at the time. Uh, the systems that were, were were around there were single bins or 30-year-old setups, so, you know, looking at something modern is, is kind of was hard to find, so I talked to several different people we went and looked at several different operations and stuff like that. And, you know, what's funny is, is you never find anybody that was just perfectly happy with what they built. There's always something you would do different. And that, that was something that we learned early on. And so we've learned a lot, you know, from 2007 and like in 2013, we put a separate system in almost side by side um, because you just start learning what is your bottleneck, what is going to shut you down one day when you're harvesting and something breaks. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's almost like you need a peer group. You need to go look at everybody's setups. You need to ask everybody what not to do. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a farmer saying they got a big enough grain bin system or a big enough bin? Yeah. No, you always need bigger, you know, and you run into issues when you get too big in bins, it's a lot more to it. But I think every farmer would tell you there's something they would do different. So by the way, that is dead, dead on. I had somebody say something really smart to me once. I've done some uh, buying of houses and trying to make a dollar, fix them up. I had somebody say something really smart once. They asked if I was ever going to build my dream home. And I said, no, nah, I, I don't even know what that would look like. And also it's, it's a moving target. And then this smart person said, biggest mistake we made is we built the house that we thought was going to be our forever home, but we were so young, we didn't realize what all we really wanted. 
It's kind of a similar concept. Your farm keeps evolving. You you switch, not just, you know, generally acres grow. You get more acres, let's say. But you change your cropping mix, so that's a big change. Obviously, you know, from cotton to grain. Okay, we need some grain handling facility. It moves with time. You talked about capacity. Yeah, I need more. But also some of the other things, the things that the technology comes in and the needs you have. Just since you built yours, you said the first big expansion was 07, then again, some stuff in 13, then again, a year or so ago, right? That's right. That's right. So, you know, in 2007, we put in a system that we thought would be everything we ever needed. Within two years, we knew we were in trouble, right? So, (laughs) you know, one thing is we went from raising corn and soybeans kind of on our less marginal ground to where we were raising cotton, which is usually higher yielding ground. So, we outgrew our dryer really quick. And I, I think that's one of the big, biggest bottlenecks people do is they'll put it in a dryer for what they think they need today. And everything changes. The the, the genetics in the core makes it harder to dry. It's what the dryer people say, because you never get to the charts that they say you should be at or whatever it is. But, you know, your yields are always seem to be ticking up. You want them to, right? That's why we farm. We always want to try to make more yield because a lot of times that's the easiest way to make money nowadays because price is definitely not in our favor. So, you know, we, we've transitioned into a larger dryer and we put a dryer in that we could expand. It was bigger. It was a third bigger than I needed when I put it in. And then I could actually expand it another third. So we did that just thinking for the future, because I might not pick up ground where I'm at. You were here. we got factories going up right down the road. We've got houses kind of getting popped up around us. Not quite as bad as Chad, but we're, we're on the edge of being in the same situation. So I don't want to, you know, put in the biggest dryer I need, Today, if I start losing ground, the flip side is I want to have a dryer that I can expand with if our yields go up, right? That could be the easiest way for me to get the volume. I built a grain bin when I was a senior in high school when we expanded from one big grain bin to then we had some overflow. Even And we were dairy farmers. We weren't grain farmers. Like my high school buddy and I built, I don't know, like a 5,000 bushel bin. Like, well, this will handle, uh, you know, our excess. It was like 1987. This would be quaint by today's standards, right? If you're talking about, you drive by the countryside and you see something from the 1980s, like, yeah, that 13,000 bushel bin was a big bin back then. Yeah. Now, what do you got? 65,000 bushel bins, 80,000 bushel bins? Yeah, 80s or 50s to 175s. So. And so uh, capacity is one thing, but your grain dryer, that we shot videos about that. So by the way, dear listener and viewer, if you want to check this out, go and check out uh, Johnny and I and his, uh, my, my good friend, Brian Adams shot video out there outside of his grain dryer. And some of the reasons he, he did it, and I think it's worth revisiting yours has motors that are at the bottom. So instead of having to get a crane to change out a motor 10 years from now, when it should go bad, it's right here at a forklift level or skid loader level versus a, a crane. Um, you talked a lot about its ability to be built up, built on over for capacity because the bottleneck, as you said, you went from what, what was the type of dryer you had? It was, it was fine yeah, in 2007. Like portable, they call them portable dryers. It's the standard dryer everybody has really. And it was fine in 2007 for yeah. a couple of years. And you realized this is holding us up. That's right. That's right. And so for us, you know, I could put in more bins and hold more grain, but for us, our market is always that, you know, so for us, we can start cutting 30% corn usually around the 15th of August, sometimes a little earlier. We get a big premium from August 15th to September 10th. 
So we try to do is put all the corn out we can. So the dryer is the only way we can do that. So I need that dryer running at full capacity for 20 to 30 days because after that we shut the doors on the bins and we'll sit there and hold it. So, you know, but we make more of our money in that period of time than we do usually by holding it to June, July. It's harder to get that premium back. Johnny, we talked we we talked about that in one of the previous recordings. I think it's in other words. And, and you're saying, well, is he bragging about how much money he makes? No, he's talking about making the facility make you money. Sure. He's close to the Mississippi. There's a shortage of corn uh, by late summer. And he, Matt Miles, can do the same thing. They can grab corn when it's obviously nowhere close to being ready in Iowa and and capture that huge margin because the basis is up because there's there's starting to be shortages of supply in different pockets and, and where he is, he can fill it. Well, you can only fill it if you can get it dried. You need throughput capacity. So when you kept expanding, your first, at first you didn't think about the dryer. When did the revelation come to you? I've got to be able to get throughput during the hottest time of the year. I got to be able to dry corn and get it to the river so I can capture this margin or wherever it goes. Yeah, you know, the market's changed, you know, so where we are kind of back towards Matt, you got dog food, cat food, horse feed. They have big premiums that time of year. And then we got an ethanol plant about 60 miles north of us. And they all get hungry the end of July, 1st of August. They're waiting on that harvest to start down south so they can start shipping it. So that's just the last, I don't know, seven, eight years that's really transitioned into the time for us to sell. So we started building and putting in these dry, the dryers so we could do that because before, like you were saying, I had really big fans. I had two X the airflow I needed on my bins when I put this new system in because I was just going to dry it with air and be real efficient. Yep. Well, I can't put 30% in, right? You can put 20, 21% in and do it, but then it might take a month depending on the humidity, the moisture, and all this stuff to get it dry. Now our philosophy's changed. Every bushel goes through that dryer. We hope by 20%. And we dry it in this condition coming out of that dryer and it's in that bin whether it's ready to ship in August or whether it's ready to ship in, you know, April, it's dry. So the fans don't run as long. There's all kinds of things you can look at, you know, money's money and people can look at it and justify whatever they want. But for us, you know, that early harvest premium for us. Didn't you tell me, by the way, you, you probably think I don't just listen and almost write down nuggets of wisdom. Didn't you say when I was at your farm that your grandfather's statement to you was son, uh, a man can justify in his mind anything that he actually wants. Didn't you tell me that? Yeah, yeah. My granddad told me that one time. I was working on an Excel sheet trying to figure out if we could buy a farm or a piece of equipment. He was asking me what I was doing. He was probably 91, 92 years old. He, he looked at me and said, well, son, a man can justify anything he wants in this world. And I mean, it's true. You can justify a bigger jar, smaller jar. You can talk about your neighbors not being what it needs to be. But at the end of the day, you know, does it pencil on their farm? Is that ROI there? So let's talk about ROI. You spent a fair amount of money. And again, before we hit record, I said a lot of farm guys, you know, farm people, very reluctant to discuss money. Well, let's face it. Anybody that's priced new grain facility, concrete, putting a new electric panel in, you're, you know, you're not talking about a new electric panel to, uh, you know, to power up a, uh, you know, a pool house, you're talking about a major, major infrastructure investment. Um, the money's big. And do you think that some of the reason people have regret is they spend too much? Or I wonder if it's they they tried to save 20 grand 
And now it's costing them every time they drive through the facility with a load of uh, grain. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's what we ran into. When we started, we did not have natural gas out here that would run our dryer. So we put in propane tanks. Well, propane's almost, some years is almost 2x the money. Lucky thing is when we put in natural gas, we ran a natural gas main all the way here. And at the time I needed to say 30 gallons an hour or 30 therms an hour is what they're going off of natural gas. With a new dryer, it can go up to 150 therms an hour. Well, just think if I'd have spent say 20 grand at the time to put in what I needed, or I could have spent 30 and put in a big main all the way here that you had to replace or put in a whole. And it's the same thing. So, you know, thinking ahead, you know, we're starting to run into now where we kind of maxed out our electric system that we have here. Yep. The panels yep. we put in, everything is was built for so many amps, and we've added a dryer, we've added more bins. If I had to do it over again, I'd have made sure I could not have maxed that out because to put in a new service, it'd cost probably 3x the money now that it did just back then because the stuff's gone up, the labor's yeah. gone up on the electrician. You know, it's just things like that you don't think about that really can make things very cheap to upgrade if you had the infrastructure in place. Yeah. So that's, it's again, we're not saying go out here and be callous or cavalier, I should say, with your expenditures, because there's obviously, everybody has a story from going back to the eighties, obviously someone was overextended and then obviously they lost a farm. You're not talking about that, but there's smart spend. And that's what I think I'm hearing you say. Smart spend is making it so that it's amendable in other words, doing it right now so that 10 years, four years, six years from now, we can amend, add on, change this. And so some of the things you think you did right, in other words, making it amendable. Let's talk about the grain dryer first. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about how we could stack on it literally, you know, an hour. You could probably take all the boats off the top section, pick it up, set it on the ground with a crane, have a truck set there with the next section, put it on, put it all back together, probably one afternoon. Yeah. And there's no moving parts on the on the system I have. I think I got to run one new temperature wire up, but there's no fans, there's no moving parts. So that's how we were looking at it. We went ahead and made our legs tall enough. So if we added onto the dryer, the leg was already tall enough to feed it. So I didn't have to worry about adding onto the leg because you get into, well, was the trunk big enough on the original leg? And if mm -hmm. it wasn't, then you got to replace the whole leg. So we did several things in place. Yeah, it cost us a little more money on the front end, but at the end of the day, you know, future expansion is going to be a third of the price because you're not redoing stuff. And, you know, the electrical stuff, making sure your service is big enough is key because if you have to start changing out service, pulling new wire, you know, just because you need just one size bigger wire, I mean, some of this wire is several dollars a foot now. And yeah. Strand. So yeah. it's, it's a big picture look and it's just, that's one thing I did not ask when I did this. You didn't ask, you didn't ask which? Like, for the electrical side, like really what did I need to do? Because I did what I needed that day. Yep. Luckily I did what I needed that day plus some, but we're already maxed out. So now every time we do it, it's a big bill just on the, like if I had one bin, it, it could cost 15 grand to do the electrical. Yeah, and I could have, and it could have cost a few thousand dollars if I'd have done it right on the first. Cause you start patching and patching does not work. So. Yeah. And, and we, before we hit record, I talked about, you know, the typical Midwestern dairy farm that evolved and, and, you know, like I was raised, well, then you built the next barn and then, well, okay, well, we really don't have enough electric capacity. So now we're dark over here because we didn't have enough electric capacity to put the proper lighting. And, you know, it just goes on and on. And on. What about even if you're not adding on, 
What about if you say, all right, I might get a little bit more yield, but I'm not planning on growing my acres. There's still big considerations there just based on the yield bump. Or I think it's probably smart to think about if you have to pivot and change. What what would be your thoughts on that or your advice on that? Yeah, so for us, you know, I could lose 500 acres to factories in a year. You know, we <laughs> lost 350 last year. So like what you're saying, you don't want to be maxed out and then have bins that aren't being utilized. So we would diversify, you know, maybe raise some wheat, start storing wheat year round, stuff like that. I mean, the thing is, is whatever you build, just make sure multiple crops can go into it. Um, I'm not a Milo guy. I don't know if I want to put Milo in a bin. You hear stories where it's good, where it's bad. But for us, it's just, you know, what if they put a wheat mill in in 10 years or five years from now here in West Tennessee, and I need to be able to store wheat all year long to feed that mill. Right now, that's not really what we're doing, but you just want the capabilities to do that and always be able to just change on the go. So, you know, grain mills for us is just just like a, an 18-wheeler. or something we got to have. Um, for us to run to the river with no lines at the river, you know, so it's a three-hour turn roughly for us to go to the river and back. You know, we're running three combines in corn. It would probably take 20 to 25 trucks to keep three combines going in corn if we're going to the river with no weight. Yeah. Whereas the system we have here, we're running six trucks to the, yeah. to the grain facility. Yeah, so your your capacity is such that it keeps your field, your harvest moving with, without it, because you're just at the edge of getting to where you might even have some hurricane issues like Matt talks about down in Arkansas, because you're at the north end of the Delta. You um, aren't quite as bad as Chad in this regard. Chad has a housing development that's massively big a mile from him. He's got the Huntsville airport that's expanding. He's got all sorts of encroachment of uh, c civilization. It would be possibly not a good decision, and I'm not going to make this decision for Chad, to go and spend a million dollars on upgrading the grain facility where he is. It makes you wonder, is this going to be a subdivision 10 years from now? You can't pencil out a million-dollar infrastructure on a 30-year depreciation uh, or amortization cycle uh, uh, if it's going to be development. You've got a similar situation. You're close to stuff. But you built this thing a few years ago, then you, you know, or you, sorry, you expanded it and, and updated it. What would be your advice about location? Yeah, so you got to think about getting the traffic in and out. And so one thing we do use, we use a lot of custom haulers to come in. Because as we're hauling crops in from the field, you know, that's wet, I'm also hauling dry corn out at the same time. So you need a place that can line up a lot of trucks and not be bottlenecked. So we got it set up where trucks that are empty can come in and get loaded and kind of cut in front of the guys that are. So I guess where you're going with that is, is if I start getting more and more development here and there's more and more traffic, I still need to think about how I'm going to keep my trucks moving because you know, you get set on the road and you got six trucks sitting at a stop sign to turn and it's taking five minutes for each truck to pull out. That's not good either. So it's a, it's a big thing to look at and just getting a good site plan in place in a good location. And I mean, for me, I could be on an I-40 interstate within a half a mile. I can be on another state highway that runs north and south across the country within a couple of miles. So looking at good intersections, good access to roads, because that's what it's all about for us. And, you know, the urban sprawl is going to happen. We know it. Um, you know, you need to think about dust. You need to think about stuff like that, too, because grain systems are dusty. They do cause stuff like that. So it always amazes me that we always get a different wind when we start drying. It goes right towards every neighbor's swimming pool. 
But, you know, you just need to think about stuff like that because you don't want to put something that might be a subdivision around it because it will cause you issues. You know, you do have the right to farm in most areas, but you just, you don't want to, you know, cause that if you can help it. So. Well, and you hate to admit it, but also what if, what if five years into your new facility, the developer says, we want to go ahead and buy this property uh, for, uh, you know, twice of what it would be for three times what the farm ground prices are like, that's great. I guess, you know what, from a business perspective, we'll grow houses and I'll go down the road and grow corn somewhere else. But what about this million dollar grain facility out here? You, you can't, can you take it with you? Well, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You can take the bins, of course, the concrete and the infrastructure in the ground still going to be there. So, I mean, it's something to think about, you know, it's, it's always something going on. You know, you just, you know, you can just lose ground so easy now. You know, you got competition among farmers. I don't really see that as my competition. Our competition is development, solar, stuff like that, because you can lose so many acres so fast to those. You talked to me about, when I looked at, just across the field, I saw another larger scale farming operation. I said, Johnny, is that yours? You said, no, this neighbor, and you talked about that. We shot an episode about getting along with the neighbors, which is something that uh, all too commonly in agriculture, we have spats between this farm operation and the neighboring farm operation. You said, no, we get along swimmingly. Then you said, we probably should have teamed up on this grain facility almost like a private cooperative you know 100 years ago that was the idea of the cooperative build a build a cooperative uh grain handling and buy our inputs together and all that that was sort of the genesis of the cooperative system wouldn't that make sense for some farming operations i mean once it gets to where it's like yeah you farm five thousand acres we farm five thousand acres let's go ahead and have a large grain terminal and then it's just a matter of way tickets or some management but the the, the co-mingling capital, would it make sense? Yeah, I, I think it would. I mean, we kid around about it all the time. Still to this day, we talk about it because <clears throat> we both put in bins, we both put in dryers, we both had to pay for electrical infrastructure, natural gas infrastructure, you know, the gravel around the bins. A lot of that stuff would have cost the exact same if we had put in the same one, one location. And you could have had an on-site manager that was there every day, make sure everything was done right. You know, you look at trucks and stuff like that. A lot of days I'm trucking, he's not. So you could really, you know, done like a co-op mentality. You know, one thing that me and him did did do together, we bought a grain bagger and unloader together. And we did that because just like this year, we both had really good corn crops. He was he bagged grain, I bagged grain. Those things are very expensive when you only use them once every five years. But when you split costs like that, it really helps. So for us, you know, we still share stuff where we can, but it really would have been a good thing to put it in just because, like I said, your natural gas and your electric would have really cost the same. And you could have had two X of storage. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you still would be building the same number of bins, but some of the, again, infrastructure, once you're starting to put the, once the power is brought there, then boom, and the gas in particular. But yeah, you're going to have more bin expense, but you're also going to have some economies of scale shall we say if you teamed up so you think that would make sense do you see that happening do you think or do you think that there's going to be too much competition between me and the neighbor and i want to pick up acres i don't know i, I think if we had to do it over again 100 we'd have done it together because like i said he's expanded i've expanded and we still don't have enough but we could have done it together and it would have really worked because he's in cotton still so on yours he had more cotton i'd have had more bin space you saw what i'm saying it would have really worked back and forth so I just, I just think a lot of times farmers get hung up on this is what I need, and if they could work together on what we all need, 
it really benefit things. I know different parts of the country doesn't work that way, but yeah, really in, in, in the future it's going to be a team effort. I can tell you that for us to because, well, because the I think the numbers get one of the reasons is capital, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about if you had to? When you talk about planning for the future, ten years from now, you've got this facility and your acres. You know, you keep losing a little bit. Do you see yourself ever like being a custom dryer and storer for somebody else? like, hey, I, I can take in uh, neighbor Bob and and so and so. They are under capacity on their grain facility. You can just be a custom dryer and handler for them. Would you see that being something you could do? Yeah, yeah. I guess the last two or three years we've done that with a couple of different farmers for where like this year the bean basis went a dollar fifty to two dollars down in a couple of weeks. We store beans here for them, you know, and I just store it. So I, we weigh it in, weigh it out. We know exactly what it is. I charge them so much a bushel to do it. And it just gets them out of a bind because their truck's not sitting at the river for seven hours waiting to dump. It keeps everybody going. It helps me out because I sold what I thought at the time was too many beans because yeah. the price was up. So I had bin space that I utilize now. And that just helps go towards, you know, if you do several thousand bushels, it really helps go towards the repair because there's always something around that needs to be worked on. So let's talk about the money side of this. You know, you're talking about financing a couple million dollars uh, pretty easily of of this kind of uh, facility. Is there anything that that you learned about getting it done? I know about going and buying, uh, you know, a chunk of farm ground comes for sale. You know about getting financing to, you know, expand your machinery fleet with a new combine. Is there anything unique or different about financing a grain facility? Yeah, I mean, for me, like if I was wanting to finance the, the big dryer when I wanted to do that, I had to prove it to my dad and to my granddad. But when I showed it to the banker too and showed him a spreadsheet of where this was going to work, this is going to be like a two-year payoff. We can do a seven-year loan, but two years it's probably going to pay. It just makes things cash flow better. And I will say this, you know, there is a lot of grant programs out there for energy efficiency grants and stuff like that that, that I've utilized over the past that help you do projects like this because it makes you more energy efficient. So people really need to pay attention to those because that's out there. It's a lot of work, a lot of paperwork, but there's people that help you do it and you might as well take advantage of it if it's what your operation needs. Well, I, I like that because we're talking about different things that, you know, green initiatives from utilizing solar to those kind of things. Um, you know, wind turbines don't necessarily dry corn. Um, but we, we still yeah. need natural gas, but there are some programs out there. I almost see that expanding, don't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you just need to stay educated. And I hear about programs like that by going to meetings. You, you, you know, you every now and then you'll see something pop up on Facebook or social media, but you go to meetings and you hear what a lot of these larger scale farmers are doing. And they'll tell you, you know, how they're doing it and, you know, how they're changing out diesel power units from grain from, uh, irrigation wells to electricity a lot of times it's by programs like that so yeah okay um i i've i, I liked i've been to your facility i like it 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 could continue to grow um at what point do you make a decision where because a lot of times you say okay expand and grow what, at what point would you make a decision, it's time to move down the road and start again, or it's time to scrap this? In other words, yours is still completely functional, new, et cetera. We talk about those older ones. Isn't there, is there time to just say, yeah, that was, that's yesterday's time to start 
new. Isn't there probably a case be made for that decision, which is probably planning for <laughs> difficult? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. You know, I would think if I ever needed another location, I would just use the one I have here. But if I picked up ground, maybe in a um, neighboring county or something like that, have a pod there, it's kind of how I would look at it. For me to quit farming here, I guess I'd be forced out by housing and stuff yeah. like that. So you hope you don't ever see that. But I mean, that's one thing that keeps me from putting in more bins every year is because you just don't know. Like I said, you lose a couple hundred acres at a time. It, yeah. it hurts, you know. 40 yeah. acres is one thing, but. Yeah. So you wouldn't be opposed to going and starting a, a, a satellite area and you would probably start, start or, or you know, do something like that. Uh, yeah, I would not be opposed to that if it made us more efficient because, like I said, the truck's driving down the road. Sometimes you'd be better off just having another location, you know, where you're more centralized. Where I'm at right now, you know, really five to ten miles is as far as we really have to go, so I'm very fortunate. Um, if you start traveling 60, 70 miles to get back, I would, or even 30 miles, you'd probably be better off having another another hub. Johnny, it's a big number to get over. I mean, I can see where there's a reluctance to even pull the trigger on it. And like, I, I'm just going to haul my stuff to town. But you've made the case for trucking time, sitting time, employees sitting around, then your combine is sitting. You think it's, you think it's these, this facility makes you money because of getting the crop done. Talked about, you know, August harvest and taking 30% corn because you're getting a huge basis. It makes you money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we hadn't even talked about phantom corn loss. Like you said, people need to go back and look at the episodes we did on that back in the summer because the stuff's there. They really pay for themselves multiple ways. There's not many pieces of equipment that we have on a farm that pays for themselves three or four ways like a grain system does. Yeah. All right, get me out of here. What What's the other thing, since you're the one that did it, I've never built a, a great – you talked about – Putting in the infrastructure for tomorrow, you, you could you could have put in bigger electric capacity than you needed at the time, but it would have saved you money because then you're patching. And you said patching doesn't work or it does for a short time. You talked about looking at your gas hookups and being able to get, you talked about environmental, uh, possibly incentive programs to be more efficient that you can actually get some grants or some matching money. And that's something to look into state by state, whatever. You talked about uh, being able to amend put the grain bins uh, next another bin in or build onto your dryer uh, pretty easily. You talked about, uh, talk about motors, maintenance, you know, things like that to consider. This all is pretty shiny now, but seven years from now, after a lot of use, you're going to have to replace some stuff. Is it easy to do? So those are other things. I think I've covered many of them. Location, uh, making sure that you said trucks can come and go for crying out loud. If if you're trying to cross a, a busy freeway, you're going to end up having an accident. Somebody's going to get killed. You got all those things to consider, making sure that the access in and out. Did I miss anything? No, I think we covered most of them there. Anything else that you want to tell me to get us out of the door for anybody that's right now planning for the future <laughs> for their grain facility? Yeah, I would just throw in, make sure site is set up good too. So like when you do your dirt work for your bins you're putting in today, go ahead and do the dirt work for all of them. So everything's done. You're not having to dig up water lines, electric lines, gas lines. Just go ahead and put a big footprint in because if you mess up a couple more acres now, it is so much better off in the future because your gravel, your concrete doesn't have to be tore out. I'm telling you, we, we've learned a lot. We've did a lot of things wrong and we've done a few things right, but we've done a whole lot more things wrong. But I think every farmer will tell you the same story. Yeah, I, I really think because all of a sudden, well, we never thought we we're going to get this big. Now we got to bring in the excavator, dig through this, relocate power lines. Like if you'd have just gone ahead and planned for that 
five years ago, you wouldn't. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense right there. Almost every farmer I think that I've talked to said, I wish I'd have done this or in hindsight, I would have done that. So this is very good conversation, Johnny. His name is Johnny Varel, talking about planning for the future with your grain facility. Awesome, great content like this available through the hundreds of videos we put out. Podcasts like this, Cutting the Curve, videos these guys shoot on site. Uh, go back and look at the ones with me, Johnny, and Brian Adams while we're at their facility. It's some really cool stuff. One of them, we even climbed up the top. I made Johnny, yes, I said, hey, I'm going to climb up there, prove to you that I can still do this, and climbed up the top of the green uh, dryer and shot from up there. Anyway, go check it out. Uh, extremeag.farm, all kinds of cool stuff. Also remember, uh, crop stress is a big deal. It costs you money. Go to a nutrient ag solutions dealer or go to uh, lovelandproducts.com and check out what Terramar can do for you. Thanks for being here. Till next time, he's Johnny Burrell. I'm Damian Mason. This is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.